Hello and welcome to Grace Life Duras. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray that this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. Hello, my name is Vitas. I'm from Grace Life Duras in Albania. And this is the second part of speaking uh, in the series, The True Nature of God. In the first part, Alicia was sharing that God is good and only good, that He is light and there is no darkness in Him at all, that He is the life giver and not life taker. As we look in our hearts as Christians and we ask ourselves, if God is good, is God is really good and only good? There's sometimes this doubt that arises and it could be because of what we experienced or it could be because of certain stories in the Old Testament or something we've read or something that people said about God. So I'd like to answer this question. Is God always good? I cannot answer every question about this topic, but I can give you a really good perspective to see uh, God's goodness and his nature and his character and why he did certain things sometimes that seems like too harsh or seems like it's out of his character To start we we shouldn't question God we should question the people that he dealt with harshly and Why did he dealt harshly in certain situations is because of sin? There is evil in sin that we don't even understand uh, because we live in this world that normalizes sin normalizes evil and it seems like ah, it's not that bad like i did more good things so god should see me as good but in god's eyes it's very different in romans chapter 3 verse 23 it's written that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of god all have sinned, there's no exception. All, there's no one good, no one good enough. And everyone fell short of the glory of God since the garden, since Adam and Eve uh, sinned for the first time. Everyone fall short, fall, have fallen short of the glory of God. That means no one can reach the standard that God has. And as we live in this world, it seems like we compare ourselves with others and it's, it doesn't seem like it's that bad. And if we think about doing something that's not really good, we kind of uh, put it away saying like, ah, everyone does that, it's okay. But it's not okay. Um, <laughs> from God's perspective, it's sin. And that sin changed the nature of humanity. That's a really big deal. And if it wasn't a big deal, why would the punishment be uh, eternal suffering? So I'm not saying that we have to fear. I'm not saying we have to like now <laughs> run for hills. Uh, I'm just saying that it's important to understand first and foremost how big and evil sin is in God's eyes and compared to his character, compared to his glory. So we might question why God seems to be harsh towards some people in the Old Testament. And that's fair question, 
But I think the better question would be, why wasn't he harsh all the time if sin is that evil? If God is light and there is no darkness in him at all, as it's written in 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, and if sinners are deep and utter darkness, as it says in Ephesians 5, verse 8, full of evil deeds of darkness, Ephesians 5, 11, and Isaiah 64, verse 6, what happens when the dark, when, to the darkness when light appears? Imagine a very, very dark room, and you are in that room, and one, all of a sudden, one moment, light appears, and all the darkness is being destroyed. It's good news for you, right? Because you can now see, you can now be free if you're locked up, you can find a way to get out of that dark room because it's no longer dark. But what if you were the darkness and light appears? That is a, not that good news if your darkness and light appears. Darkness and evil, they have no power when light steps in. They're in opposing natures to each other. And light, and for darkness to stay dark and, and alive and survive, light has to stay away from darkness. And this is what I'm getting to. God is light, and there is no darkness in Him at all. And we, before we accepted Jesus, and I'll, I'm getting to that later, uh, we became, we were rescued from the, from this nature of darkness. There's a fascinating story in the Old Testament. Just after the Israelites were rescued from the slavery in Egypt, uh, as Moses was on the mountain speaking to God, the Israelites made the golden calf and they said, oh, this is the God that rescued us. And they started worshiping that golden calf, that statue. And then as Moses saw that, uh, he was speaking to God about that situation. And God said to Moses that he cannot travel with the people into the promised land. Because if he travels with them, even for a moment, he will destroy them. And how, how, to, <laughs> how to see that? God couldn't travel with the darkness because he's so pure, holy and glorious that he would destroy the people. Not that he hates them, not that he's now turned his back from the people, from his chosen nation. Uh, and now he's like, okay, that's, there's no hope. He knew they're sinners. He, he knew they're in darkness. And he said, I should stay away from people so I don't destroy them. This is the story in Exodus chapter 33. So the presence of God had to dwell within a distance from the camp and only Moses went to speak to him because Moses had favor with God. In Exodus 33, from verse 18 to verse 23, we can read this story. As, as Moses was speaking to God, when he, he asked God, Please show me your glory, in verse 19. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. 
and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said, You cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock, while my glory passes by. I will put you in the cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. That is very fascinating, because God, when Moses asked God, please show me your glory. I think from the Moses perspective, he trusted God. He wasn't running away from God as someone to be feared in that sense. But he trusted God and said, God, I want to see your glory. And God didn't say, I will make all my glory pass before you. He said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. So it's clear that glory and goodness of God are linked together. But there was a problem. Because Moses was a man, and every man since Adam was in a fallen state, he couldn't see God's face and survive. Imagine this. There's something so beautiful <laughs> that if you see, you just fall dead because it's so glorious. It's so beautiful. So God had to hide Moses, hide from Moses, even himself. And Moses could only see his back for a glimpse, probably. Because God wanted... Why did he do that? Because God wanted to protect Moses so he doesn't die. Was God mean? Was God evil? Not at all. He was protecting Moses from the light that was, that he is to protect the darkness that is in Moses so that Moses could still uh, lead Israelites to the promised land. And God's plan wouldn't fall flat. So because of the human nature of darkness, God's glory, goodness, light are too bright for us to see, for, for the people in that time to see and to survive. So it's quite a big problem. God's glorious goodness had to hide even later on. After that story, we can see that he was hiding from people in a tent and then he was hiding in the Ark of the Covenant. And then when Jesus came, and before Jesus came in the temple, God was hiding behind this curtain, behind the veil. And why? Because if people came too close to this holy, glorious God, they, would, they wouldn't be able to survive because of the nature that they had in themselves. And as I'm repeating again and again, <laughs> I want to show you that light is in opposing nature to darkness. So God was hiding to protect his people, to fulfill the will that he had uh, set in, for many ages later on. And those people who did not prepare themselves, who did not cleanse themselves, who did not uh, do what God asked them to do, and they came too close to God, they just fell dead. And we can there are quite a few stories where people touched the Ark of the Covenant just to make it not to fall on the ground 
and their intent was very good, but because God is so holy, so glorious, and they couldn't survive that glory, that beauty, and His goodness. <laughs> it sounds very counterintuitive, but if natures are at odds, that's the only thing that is expected. So you can see the problem. Because of the nature of darkness of humanity, the appearance of God's glory, which is light, was destructive by rule. And God had to hide. But he still wanted to live with people. He didn't want to hide forever. He wanted to be among his people because he loved us, because he's good, because yeah, he is love. <laughs> so people couldn't see God and live, but and God couldn't come and live among us because it would be the end of us. It would be the end of darkness if light steps in. But there was a solution. God decided to come as a human. And that's where Jesus steps in. When the high priest uh, offers the atoning sacrifice for the nation, he puts down his glorious garments that, that look so glorious, that look so beautiful, that look like the garden or like the inside of the temple. And when he does that atoning sacrifice once a year for the entire nation, he puts those clothes off and just wears something very, very simple and, and not glorious looking. And that's what Jesus did. When he came to this earth, it's God who came to this earth. He left his glory behind so he, he wouldn't destroy us. So he would also do the atoning sacrifice for our sins and he would deliver us from this nature of darkness. In 2 Corinthians 4 verse 6 it's written, For God who said, let light, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. In John 12 verse 36 the first part, it says, while you have the light, it's Jesus himself speaking, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. And John 12, 46, it says, Jesus says, I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. So faith in Jesus and his mission was to change the nature of human beings that believe in him so that they would no longer be in darkness and in danger of God's goodness and glory but that they would be changed and would be able to experience it like never before so faith in Jesus changes our nature and we become the sons of light when we believe in him in Colossians 1 13-14 written Jesus has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Well, God rescued us from the kingdom of darkness uh, through Jesus, his son. 
So everyone who believes in Jesus is no is is being changed on the nature level. He's no longer the dark. He's no longer uh, a sinner. He's no longer unforgiven, and he's no longer in danger of God's glory. And it wasn't like that um, in the Old Testament, in the time when the law, in the covenant of the law. In Matthew 13, from from verse 16 to verse 17, it's written that, Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear. Jesus was saying this to show that from now on, there's something so much greater that people, even those that were considered righteous, couldn't experience Was Moses able to see the fullness of God? No, not full. He wasn't able to look at God's face and live, nor any other saints in the Old Testament. In Hebrews 11, from 39 to verse 40, it says, All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us. And because of Jesus, that better could step in and we could experience something better. When Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter, James and John could see his glory stepping in. As he came, as Jesus came, he was just, he looked just like any of us. He didn't look any different. And even people that he grew up with, when they heard what Jesus was doing, they thought he's out of his mind. Uh, And they couldn't believe that Jesus is someone greater than just a human. But on the mountain of transfiguration, Jesus revealed that he's not just mere human. And and in that place, his clothes started to shine uh, brighter than any, like, I think his face shone like the sun and his clothes like no uh, person could wash it. It was so white. And that's why he says, Blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. And that's not all. Because of this, because of the redemption that we got from Jesus, because we are redeemed through his blood, this glory that God has comes to us as well. In Colossians 1.27, Paul wrote that to them God chose to us as Gentiles. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So God didn't have to hide in the temple. He doesn't have to hide behind the curtain. But because of Jesus and his sacrifice for us, we are now changed from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, and we can carry God's presence with us. And this glory is in us. And that's 
also not, not the end of the story. Uh, because when Jesus comes back, he will come back with the fullness of his glory. Uh, when he came as a high priest to atone for the sins of, of the world, he was he left his the fullness of his glory behind. But when he comes back for the second time, he will come back with the fullness of his glory. In the Gospel of Mark, chapter 8, verse 37, Jesus was warning people, his disciples. His, yeah, verse 20, 38. His, if anyone is ashamed of me and my message in these adulterous and sinful days, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in the glory of his Father with the holy angel, angels. So there is coming a time when Jesus returns with his glory. It will be like the light that steps into the darkness. And those who are part of the darkness, they will be... It's bad news for them. So that's why we shouldn't be ashamed to share this message of salvation. Uh, and those who, are, who did receive Jesus, it says in Colossians, Colossians 3 verse 4, it says, When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So for those who are in darkness, the darkness will be demolished. But those who chose to believe in Jesus, who were transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, will experience life and will be separated from that kingdom of darkness forever. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, we can see that John wrote, Dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown to us what will what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. So there comes a time when that glory that Jesus has will also be seen in us. Because we are in him, we are, it's no longer us who live with Christ who lives within us. And this glory is also doing a beautiful work in us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, Paul wrote that we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree, degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So we all who believed in Jesus and accepted him, accepted his sacrifice, we agree that, yes, we have sinned, we have fallen short of his glorious standard, we, and we trusted in the sacrifice of Jesus, we behold the glory of the Lord. And to behold is like to, <clears throat> to have it, to, to hold on to it. And this and as we behold, we are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. So as we were created in the garden to represent God, to be his image, 
we were glorious back then, but after sin, that glory was no longer the standard we could live up to. But now because of Jesus, because of his atoning sacrifice and his forgiveness, we can uh, behold this this glory of the Lord and to be transformed back into the image that God created us into. So is God good? Yes. Is God good all the time? Also yes. And not only good, but glorious, holy, pure. He's like the light that has no speck of darkness. It's humanity that failed to be good and that fallen short to reach the standard of God's glory. And it changed our nature, it changed who we are, and that's why it seems like God was mean to us, but he was not mean to people necessarily, but because of opposing natures, that destruction was a natural outcome. So we fell off the glory of God, and then the glory was crushing us, making it, making it seem like God's, God wasn't good all the time. But He is good. He's actually so good that it's dangerous for those <laughs> who are not good. Because if you are darkness and you see light approaching, that's bad news to you. But if you are light, you know that the more light there is, the better. And God's goodness is consistent through the history of humanity. Because if God had the tiniest speck of evil, that would mean he's no longer holy, he's no longer pure, and that his glory would also fall short of that glory that he had if he didn't have this speck of evil. So even philosophically, God cannot be evil. And evil does not dwell with God, but because God is stronger than anything else. Because just like the nature of light, it, it destroys all darkness. So is God is so good that he destroys all evil. And he had to be separated from evil people to not destroy them with his glory. Now, because of the sacrifice of Jesus, we can be forgiven and we can, as we believe in Him, we can enter into God's presence without fear of being destroyed. Because we passed from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of Jesus, of light. And if you're listening to this and you haven't trusted in Jesus yet, uh, I would say there is nothing better than who God is. There's no no one better, more. There's no no more goodness in anything else than in God, and there's no more uh, no more dangerous position than to be found away from Him. So I would also encourage not to wait uh, to make the decision to choose Christ because He's good, and He will accept you, and you can experience. Uh, his goodness like no other Old Testament saint could as you accept his righteousness that he purchased on the cross for you so Father thank you for yeah for your goodness thank you 
for who you are, that you are so glorious, that's, that you destroy darkness, that you destroy evil, that you're opposed to evil, that you don't like evil. Thank you, Father, that you have done all the work uh, for us to be close to you, that you are, as a, lo a loving Father, you did not forsake us, you did not uh, give up on us, but you pursued us, you sent Jesus as this, the biggest gift we could ever imagine. Good news, like it sounds too good to be true, but you did it all for us. And we, by faith, we can receive this great gift and get to know you more and more and realize how beautiful, how glorious, how big and magnificent you are. And we can stand in this awe and worship you and be changed as we behold your glory. To, be look, to look more like Jesus and to look more like you as we also represent uh, you to this world that is in sin, that is not glorious, that, uh, that doesn't see your goodness, that we can shine as lights in this fallen world. Thank you, Father, that you equip us and that you are for us. In Jesus' name, Amen. You can find more of our free teachings on our website, www.gracelife.co. And if you're ever in the Duras area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website, www.gracelife.co.